Boy, just a sweet, sweet, isn't there just a sweet spirit in here today? I mean, not a whole lot of shouting and hollering and yelling and jumping around. Just, just a sweet, sweet, still, small voice, sweet spirit in here today. And I'm so thankful for that. Uh, before I get started in my message today, I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter number 4. And I realize that today our, our D6 theme is, is faithfulness. And we've been discussing that and talking about that. And I think you should have it. Th- yeah, he's there. Uh, on faithfulness and our goal for the week is to trust in God's faithfulness and seek to uh, emulate that, to copy that, to imitate that Um, and and we want to be faithful in what God's given us as he's been faithful to us and we can always celebrate and rejoice that that he is faithful but as I've already shared one area that I want us to be extremely faithful in is in the area of our our missions and our evangelism so today I'm going to talk a little bit about missions being it's North American Mission Sunday. But I got a little housekeeping that I need to do. And uh, before we actually get started, there's a few things that, that we need to celebrate before we uh, go much, much further. Uh, I see them both grinning like a possum, like, no, don't do it, don't do it. Anyhow, Phil and Jamie, if you will, stand up. This is a recent engagement. They are engaged to get married. <laughs> Philip and Jamie, congratulations, guys, and God bless you both. And, and um, their wedding date is... December the 19th. That's like in four weeks. Yeah, yeah. Man, I tell you what, when God just lays it on heart, that's the one, just do it. You know, just take all the stress of all this planning out of it and just get married. So, anyhow, congratulations, guys, and looking forward to what God is doing uh, uh, on you. Yeah. Anyhow. Everybody needs to go see her ring. She has a beautiful, beautiful ring. And I wasn't going to say that, Phil. I wasn't going to draw any attention to that. But my wife is like, look at that ring, you know. And so, <laughs> so that's a lady thing. So all you ladies, go check that out. It's a beautiful ring. And uh, congratulations, guys. And I'm um, looking forward to what God's going to do in your family, in your marriage. And uh, keep him in the middle of it. Amen. Amen, Rachel. Keep him right in the middle. of. Uh, and I, I told Phil last night on the phone, I was talking with him again and I said, now, brother, you do know that I require marriage counseling before I do these things. And yeah, I know, but it's December 9th. I said, okay, we'll get one in, but you have to promise me you'll come back and we can get the rest of them, you know, in January or so. And, you know, they said, okay, they'd do that. So anyway, I thought that was kind of funny and cool. But anyway, congratulations. That's awesome. You know, I, I, I love being part of a church where we have these young couples getting married and we have these, these baby announcements and we have these babies in our nursery and um, these young ladies... Uh, walking around proud, I think that's awesome. Uh, you know, we grow a church one way or another, right? And uh, maybe that's part of our evangelism strategy uh, is to have a good, strong singles ministry and then get them hooked up together. Maybe that's what we'll do, part of our strategy, okay? I don't know, maybe you want to head that up. If you do, see Daryl, he's over our missions and evangelism, and he'll get you started along those lines, okay? Everybody okay today? Well, I've missed you for the last two weeks. I feel like I've been gone forever and a day, uh, but it's good to be back today and, and uh, appreciate your prayers. I do want to uh, talk a little bit or share with you a little bit. I sent it out in an email, but I've received many emails and phone calls and people wanting to know how the uh, leadership conference went last week down in North Carolina. That was phenomenal. It went awesome. It was great. We had 58 that were registered and it came to that. And there were six churches represented. Uh, there was one country outside of America represented. There was the Get this, there was the church planting director for Baptist mission work from Romania that was there at the conference. 
And uh, he was sharing with me about how he just, I mean, every break he was up there just in my face, every break, in my face, in my break. And I said, you know, I've, you know sometimes I, I like to take advantage of the break to get ready for the next session. Boy, I couldn't. He was just right there in my face. He's from Romania, and he's all excited about planting churches. And he himself has planted 10 churches in Romania. And he's, he's put in those churches Romanian pastors that's ministering to their culture and their people. And he's over that. And he came up, he said, he said, can I take all your material and translate it into our language? And, and then will you come over and will you teach all of our pastors and their church leaders in this seminar? And I thought, man, that's a God thing. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. And so I thought that was pretty awesome that we're going to be able to impact and, and, uh, and touch uh, some churches and pastors in Romania and do that. But the conference went very well. Uh, it went just awesome. And uh, it's just exciting to see what the Lord is doing through all of that. So thank you. Many of you um, sent emails that you were praying. And, and thank you so much for that. I appreciate all your prayers while, uh, while we were gone. So anyhow, that's just a God thing. So keep praying about that, if you will, okay? All right, I got one more announcement that I want to share with you before I get to the announcements that are at the end of the service. Here, here's one that I'm pretty excited about, and it just came to pass this week. Just this week, we were able to speak with our landlord over at our offices, where we have our current offices uh, there at Lake Point Center. How many has been by there? You've seen the offices. You know where we are. You know, right beside of us are, are two, actually three, empty units that are, that are being, wanting to be leased out. I called the landlord, and through some negotiating, I was able to get him to the place where we could lease the office right next to us, uh, that space. So what we want to do with that is we want to have, start, starting in the 1st of January, or sometime in January, first of the year, I should say, hopefully it's sometime in January, if not, definitely early February, but we want to start having a midweek worship service where we come together on Wednesday evenings, and um, it won't be all, um, I don't know what it'll be. It's a small space, but I feel we need another place, another service in our church to be able to help us reach our goals and to grow us spiritually and to get us stronger as a church so that we can continue the endeavor of, of getting a building built. So uh, the first of the year, we're going to have our midweek worship service starting up again in that small space. Now, uh, yeah, give the Lord a praise offering. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, the price we got for that is about a third of what we're paying for our current facility. Uh, we were able to do some negotiating and get it down there where it's pretty affordable. I tell you, we're going to be able to rent it for 500 bucks a month. We're currently paying 1350 When I talked to him several months ago about trying to lease that, he said 1350 And I said, there's no way. We can't afford that. I'm, but I need some more space. And then I kept talking to him again, called him back just the other day, and he dropped it to 1000 I can't do that. He dropped it to 750 Can't do that. He said, well, how much you want to pay? I said, 500 He said, I can't do that. He called me back and said, 600 I said, I can't do that. He called me back and said, I'll take 500 <laughs> Amen? <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. I was pretty excited about that. And uh, so we're going to be able to move into that facility and rent that and, and be able to have our, our teens. There were 15 teenagers in there last Sunday evening in our small little office area. So the teens will be there on Sunday night over in the, the large area. And they have plenty of room. We, Daniel and I were concerned about getting through the wintertime with not being able to go outside with the teenagers and do things. So that kind of solved that problem. The ladies' Bible study on Tuesday evenings, if you know, have been using my office and the other space. Well, now they can go over and have the big area on the 
other side on Tuesday evenings. We'll be over there on Wednesday evenings for our midweek Bible study and, and a midweek service that we'll be able to have. Um, what else? The men's, can, men's, can use, men's ministry can use it for events and Bible studies. I mean, it's just going to create a lot of different opportunities for ministry for us to be able to continue to grow. So I was going to share that with you at the end of the service, and I couldn't. I had to just go ahead and share that with you right now because I'm pretty excited about being able to do that. So amen. Give the Lord a praise offering for that. That's awesome. I think that's something that's much needed for our church, and it's been years being in our current setup since we've been able to have a midweek service, and uh, so I'm pretty excited to be able to, to do that. Now, I know here's, here comes the dilemma you're out of the practice of coming to church on Wednesday night. Hello? We all are, myself included. We're going to have to tweak some things in our own personal lives so that we can do that. And I think, it, I think we'll be healthier as a church in the um, months and years to come as a result of that, okay? Are you in Philippians chapter 4? Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 10 down through verse number 20 will be my text this morning. And I want to speak to you, and I realize we're, our theme is faithfulness, but I'm going to kind of venture away from that somewhat today, and I want to talk to you about missions, and I want to talk to you about a mission-minded church, and I want to share with you out of Philippians chapter 4, verse 10 through 20, I want to share with you some attributes of a missions-minded church, and guys, I want us to be missions-minded. I want us to be, uh, matter of fact, if you take out your, uh, your D6 notes there, there's some take-home activity uh, that you can do that can help you and your family be a little bit more engaged in missions and evangelism and familiarizing yourself a little bit more uh, with some of our directors that are oversee our missions as well as some of our missionaries both home and abroad. Um, I will say this, and there's going to be more information about this, uh, but next summer uh, we're having the, uh, the Go 10 walk. Uh, there's going to be, uh, we're going to retrace the steps of Free Will Baptist's very first missionary, Laura Bell Barnard, from Georgia all the way up to New York where she got on a barge and went to India. And then we're going to trace those, those steps from New York all the way out to Oklahoma City where our national convention will be next, uh, next year. Now, they asked me to be a regional director for our area and getting that put together. And here's what we're doing. We've, we're, I'm in charge of five days and each one of those days has three segments, and each one of the segments has 10 miles that I'm responsible for getting four people to walk 10 miles to retract those steps. And I'm going to share a lot more about that with you in the, uh, in the weeks to come. And, uh, but I want, I want our church to get very much involved in this Go 10 walk. I'd love for all of us to get down there and pick a segment and walk. Now, in doing that, each walker is trying to raise $500. So you're going to get people to sponsor you to walk. And when everything's said and done, there's going to be over a um, over million dollars given to international missions to help us spread the gospel. There is a, there is a, a wealthy Christian businessman down in Nashville, Tennessee, that said he's going to match every dollar given up to $500,000. Amen? So we want to take that challenge and try to raise that money, and every dollar that we raise, he's going to match it. And um, he said, but I'm only going to match it if they raise it. So uh, he wants to get the church, the people involved in, in doing this, and all of it's going to go. But here's, here's the cool thing. Last week, I was at our national offices, and we went in one of the conference rooms, and, and via Skype, you guys familiar with that on the, on the internet, S-K-Y-P-E, Skype, how you say it, or something like that, Skype, that's how I say it. Everybody familiar with that, the video chat that you can do on, on the internet? Uh, we were able to sit in a conference room 
and it was about 7.30, 8.30 at night when we were there, and it was like 6.30 in the morning over in India, and we were able to have a video chat conference with our national director that was in India at the location where Laura Bell Barnard went and actually started uh, the very first mission work. And I just thought that was awesome to be connected like that and, uh, and to realize that the gospel is being sent over there because of one lady that stepped out when there was no funding, there was no missions department, there was no board. She just said, God's calling me to India. And she went to one church down in Georgia, and she shared with that one church what she would like to do. And that one church said, well, we'll support you $25 a month. And she said, that's all I need. And she took off. Can you imagine? Now, she was about 23 years old at that time, and she took off. I don't know that I could let my daughter take off like that. But God said, go, and she went and gave the, her parents the grace they needed. So anyhow, you'll be hearing a lot more about that. But the whole point is, I want our church to get more and more involved in missions and in evangelism and in sharing the gospel. You know, it's not enough just to just to kind of just come to church on Sunday and then go do our thing. We need to get engaged in missions work. And so I want to share with you today what I believe are some attributes of a mission-minded church that we can find in Philippians chapter 4, verses 10, down through verse number, number 20. Let me read this passage to you this morning. Philippians 4 and verse 10. The Apostle Paul's writing, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at last you have renewed your care for me, you were, in fact, concerned about me, but lacked opportunity to show it. I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot. In any and all circumstances, I have learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. I am able to do all things through Him who strengthens me. Still, you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospels, when I, or the gospel, when I left Macedonia, get this now, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. Man, I think that's a very sad statement. No church. And you start thinking about all the churches that were established. Now understand, when Paul started the Philippian church, that was his second missionary journey. You remember how he went, got the Macedonian call and vision and went over into that region and, and the first lady he met was Lydia. You can read this in Acts chapter 16. Lydia, the seller of purple, purple and, and she received the gospel and then many more received the gospel and then they were thrown into prison and you remember the story how they're in prison, he and Silas, and they were praying and singing and the earthquake came and the, and the, and the, 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 the gates opened but they didn't go anywhere and the Philippian jailer was going to kill himself. You guys remember this story. You're familiar with it. All that happened in Philippi. So I'm, the point I'm making is there were many other churches that were already established, but none of them. Is it, am I too loud? None of them. My monitors may be a little loud. If you bring that down, please. None of those churches communicated and shared and gave on the missionary journeys that Paul was engaged in except the church at Philippi. Guys, I don't want that to ever be said of us. Yeah, they got a good church over there, but they don't ever give to missions. They won't ever support a missionary. And I don't think it has been said of us. And we have supported and we do support on a monthly basis. But I want all of us together to be more engaged in that. And I don't, want, I don't ever want this to be said of us. 
Paul said, no church gave to me except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my needs several times. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that is increasing to your account. But I have received everything in full and have an abundance. I am fully supplied having received from Epaphroditus. That was the individual from the Philippian church that took the needs to the Apostle Paul on his missionary journey. I am, he says, I'm fully supplied having received from Epaphroditus what you provided. Take note of this. A fragrant offering, a welcome sacrifice, pleasing to God. And then look at verse number 19. One of probably one of the most claimed promises in the entire Word of God, probably one of the most popular verses for every child of God. Verse 19 says, And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Philippians 4.19 is probably, as I've already said, one of the most popular verses and one of the most popular promises in the entire Word of God. Well, why would it be one of the most popular? Well, how many have needs today? Raise your hand. Every single one of us have needs. And so who would not run to this verse of Scripture and claim it as a promise that our God will supply all of our needs according to His riches in glory? But I want to ask you a question. Is this promise for every believer? Is this promise for every church? By the way, guys, Victory Church has needs. We have needs. I mean, there, there are some things that, that we, we're a needy church. One of the things that's most obvious, we need a building. Amen? Right? I mean, we have needs. And you have needs. But is this promise in verse number 19, is this promise for every believer that would claim it? Is this promise for every church that would claim it? I think if you look in verse number 15, we'll find the answer to that. And you Philippians know that in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except who? You. Except you alone. I think there's our answer to that question. When we look at Philippians 4, 19, and we ask ourselves the question, is that promise for every believer? And we ask ourselves the question, is that promise for every church? That I'll supply all of your needs according to my riches and glory. You see, I think in the Bible, we've got to be able to, to be sure that we discern between conditional and unconditional promises. Hello? And how do we discern that? We discern it within the context of the Scripture. Now, I want you to see that, that Paul is saying that God's going to supply all of their needs. Who's they? The church at Philippi. He's going to supply all of their needs. Why? Verse 15, because they were the only one that gave to the Apostle Paul's missionary journey. So I think we've got to be careful to be so quick to go out and just claim every single promise that we may see in the Bible without realizing that some of the promises are conditional and conditioned upon us giving, conditioned upon us giving to missions specifically, then we can trust God to meet all of our needs according to our riches and glory. Amen? Now, a lot of people don't even want to hear that. They just want to claim that promise and run off. 
But I, I believe you've got to be true to God's Word and, and, and the hermeneutical setting of the Word and apply it and dissect it and look at it and see what is the setting, what is the content, what is the context in which Paul is conveying this message to the church at Philippi. Now he's writing to them. And he says, you gave. No other church communicated. No other church gave except you only. I ask, where was the church at Thessalonica? Where was the church at Galatia? Where was the mothership church of Jerusalem? Where was the church at Antioch? Where were all these other churches? Guys, the Bible says, and I believe it's true, Paul wrote it to inspired of God, the Bible says no other church gave except the church at Philippi. Wow. Can you imagine? Can you imagine these other churches being there and not giving? By the way, in those, in those days, there weren't, it wasn't like they had thousands of missionaries out running around. Hello? I mean, it's kind of pretty easy to understand. Now, I realize now there's probably two teams that are traveling. You remember on the first missionary journey, who went on the first missionary journey with Paul? Barnabas and who else? John Mark. When they get back, remember, remember in that first missionary journey, John Mark said, boys, I'm going home. Now, I don't know why he went home. I can speculate why he probably went home, because ministry's hard. Amen? And I'm not going to speculate much further than that. But he went home. When Paul is going to Barnabas and said, hey, let's get together. Let's go back out on another journey. Let's go by and look and check on all the churches that we started, see how they are doing, and let's venture out a little farther and see if we can start some more. Barnabas said, that's great. I'll go get John Mark. And Paul says, no, 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 no. You remember there was a great, the Bible says, contention that came up between these two men. Both of them godly men. Hello? And through that contention, now there's two teams that are going. There's Barnabas because he took John Mark, and now there's Paul. And at this particular moment, he's taken with him Timothy, and then there's Silas, and then Luke, of course, joined them because he wrote the book of Acts, and he includes in the writing that we, implying that he's along with Paul. So I just want you to get the picture of that. There's not, there's not thousands of missionaries out running around. There, really, there's kind of two teams that are traveling, Paul's team and Barnabas's team. And they're going out traveling around doing missions work. But here we see that many churches did not communicate with them. Matt, I, I really don't think it would be a stretch if I say this. If we're going to claim this verse as a promise, that God's going to meet our needs according to his riches and glory, I think the only way we can do that is when we give to missions work. And be true to what the Bible says. And really be true with the setting of the Scripture. And, and by the way, as far as the church is concerned, I believe the only way that we can claim this promise as a church, that we can venture out there in areas by faith, when on paper it doesn't really look like we've got the, we've got the greenbacks to be able to do some of the things that we want to do, I think we can step out there on faith and say, hey, God will meet our needs according to His riches and glory. Why? Because we as a church give to missions. We support missionaries. We, sp- we assist in sending people that are willing to go literally around the world to help tell the story of Jesus. So I think we can claim that promise, but I don't think every church can. And I think as a believer that gives to missions can claim that promise, but I don't think every believer can claim it. Within the context of the Scripture, I think it's to the individuals that are given to missions. You see, God is going to supply his needs to those individuals that he can work through. And he's going to give and supply. And as long as we live life like this with our hands wide open, we can trust God 
just meet all of our needs because we want to further his kingdom and we want to see his work prevail and we want to see souls saved. Amen? Well, let me share with you real quickly five what I believe are attributes of a missions-minded church that I believe you can pull from this passage of Scripture. In verse number 10, Paul says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last you have renewed your care for me. Write this down, number one. A missions-minded church has a concern for others. Paul says, you cared for me. He says, goes further in verse number 10, you were in fact concerned about me. A missions-minded church has a concern for others. You see, guys, if you and I are never going to give to missions, you know what that says? We don't really have a concern for anyone else. But Paul is saying to this church that you had a concern for me, that you cared for me. You see, guys, if we do not have a concern for other people, we will miss tremendous opportunities to be used of God to help bless other people so that other folks can hear the gospel. We've got to have a concern for the people. We've got to have a concern for the unsaved. Guys, do you really have a concern for others? Are you really concerned about those individuals that have never met Christ or never heard of Him? Are we really concerned about those that are unsaved and lost? Are we really concerned whenever someone gets to the end of the road and, whoop, they died without Jesus, I guess they'll learn now. I mean, what kind of an attitude is that? Are we really concerned? If we are, I think the reflection of our heart will be in our checkbook. The Bible says where your treasure is, there your heart is also. Matter of fact, what was Jesus most concerned about? I love the verse of Scripture in Luke 19 and 10. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save what? That which was lost. The whole purpose of Jesus coming, he came to save the lost. And I think what we need in our church and probably many churches all across America, is we need a, a renewal. We need a spiritual renewal. We need a, we need a new vision of what it is to be lost. Some of us have been saved so long, we forget what it is to be unsaved or to be lost or to be someone without Christ. Matter of fact, if we're not real careful, we'll find ourselves just running in Christian circles all the time and we never have any interaction with the unsaved world. Oh, I just pray that God would open our eyes this morning. And that we would have a concern, a genuine concern for others. One of the D6 principles that I want to share with you, a little take-home study that I want, this one I want to hit a little bit. To help raise the awareness in your family. To help raise the concern in your family. I, I, want, to, I want to lead you to our home missions website. And there, as a family, I would like to encourage you to sit around the computer and visit the website, and I would like for you to familiarize yourself with our home missions, North American church planning directors. Larry Powell, our director, David Crow, David Atwood. These are great men that have just given their lives to planting churches all across America. And I want you to familiarize yourself with these guys. Why? Because I want you to pray for them. I mean, listen, they don't have an easy task. I'm, I've been down there several times and visit with them. They do not have an easy task of trying to reach all of North America and all of Canada and all of Mexico and all of Puerto Rico and any other U.S. territories. They're trying to reach those areas and plant churches. Guys, that's not easy. 
And what do they need from us first and foremost? They need us to pray for them. And you know, sometimes I think it's sad that most, especially in Free Will Baptist churches, we don't even know who our directors are. But yet we're trying to further the gospel? Guys, you've got to understand it's a spiritual warfare. And I want you to familiarize yourself with some of these directors and, and just familiar, let your kids see them. And, 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 and I want you to pray for them. Matter of fact, I put some other ideas in there. You, you, may, want to, you may want to write them a letter. You may want to send a, a picture of your family. And just, I'm talking about our directors, guys. They need to know that we support them and that we are praying for them as they carry out their job Monday through Friday. And they travel all the time. Guys, we need to pray for them. They are our modern-day Paul and Barnabas and Luke and Silas and Timothy that are traveling and trying to plant churches all across North America. Now, that's our, on the director side of it. I think also we need to familiarize ourselves with some of the church planners that are out there. And their pictures are all on the website there. Matter of fact, you just click on a state, any state, that, that we have a church plan and a, mission, a home missionary there. You can click on that state. You can see who the church planner is in that state. And I want to encourage you to pray for them. You see, I think we'll do more of this stuff if we really have a concern. For the unsaved. The Philippian church had a concern. They were the only ones that were giving to the Apostle Paul's ministry. Oh, what a sad indictment on the other churches. So let's, let's familiarize ourselves with these individuals and let's pray for them and then contact the missions department and ask for a specific prayer card. And if you want to see how you can support more missionaries, contact our office. We'll walk you through those steps, how that takes place. But the point is, I want us to be concerned about those that don't know Christ. And the best way to do that is be concerned about those who are actually going there to share the gospel and pray for them and support them and write letters of encouragement to them. Guys, I promise you, it's not easy. I mean, if it was easy, there'd be millions of people doing it. But there's not. It's not easy. Ministry is not easy. And guys, we need to pray for one another. And that'll happen when we have a concern. Hello? Point number one. Point number two, a missions-minded church not only has a concern, but number two, they find their contentment in the Lord. I mean, they just find their contentment there. Look at 11 through 13. Paul says, I don't say this out of need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I know both how to have a little and how to have a lot, and in any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content. Paul says, there's been times when I've had a lot, and there's been times I've had very little. He says, but through all of that, I've learned how to be content. And I believe a missions-minded church finds their contentment in the Lord. Where did Paul find his contentment in verse 13? What does verse 13 say? For I am able to do all things through him who strengthens me. Philippians 4.13. If you watch college football at all, and if you know anything about Tim Tebow, what does he have under his eye? What does he have? Come on, sports guys. Sometimes three, John 3, 16, but usually Philippians what? 4, 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And guys, that's where the Apostle Paul found his contentment. He, he didn't find it in his wealth. He didn't find it in his cupboard. He didn't find it. In, he found his contentment in the Lord. And a missions-minded church is going to find their contentment in the Lord. Hey, we at Victory know what it is to have and have not. Hello? We know what it is to have a comfortable building. We know what it is to have some property. We know what it is to have abundance. And we know what it is to have not. But our contentment's not in a building. Hello? Our contentment is where? In the Lord. 
And Paul said, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the missions, might, listen guys, we're always going to have needs. I promise you, there are always going to be needs for this church. We can trust God to provide those needs when he sees fit. But we've got to learn how to be content. And how will we get content? Just learn to trust in the Lord. Just be content in him. The Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. What? Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hello? I think that's a good lesson for all of us to learn. Guys, do you realize, as far as the world is concerned, every single one of us that are sitting here today are extremely wealthy. Extremely wealthy. And I don't care how much money you got in the bank today. Every single person right now, under the sound of my voice, sitting in this auditorium, in the world's view, is extremely wealthy. Every single one of us have at least one vehicle. Hello? Every single one of us, most likely, can walk out this door and go to Longhorns today for lunch if we want to. Most of us. Probably the majority of us. I guess what I'm trying to say is, guys, in the world's eyes, considering some third world countries and considering some other areas that are stricken in poverty, guys, we are so wealthy. And yet we think we can't give to missions because, no, I just can't afford it. Oh, man, guys, lift up your eyes. We've been given so much, and we need to learn to be content in the Lord. Number three, jot this one down. The missions-minded church not only has a concern for others, not only has their contentment in the Lord, but thirdly, a mission-minded church stays committed to the cause of missions. They stay committed to the cause of missions. I want you to look in verses 14 through 16. I think this is pretty good stuff here. Paul says, still you did well by sharing with me in my hardship. And you Philippians know that, you need to underline this, get this part, in the early days of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you alone. For even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts for my need several times. Now, let me ask you this. When is the best time to start giving to missions? When is the very best time? Paul said, you Philippians started in the early days of the gospel. I mean, hey, I just got into town. And I just met Lydia, the seller of purple. And I just got thrown in jail. And I just shared the gospel with the Philippian jailer. And then he took us to his house. And all of his household was saved. I mean, in the early days, you started supporting me. Guys, in our own life, in our own church, we can't start too soon. And Paul says in the early days. Now I want you to notice also. We're talking about how a mission-minded church stays committed to the cause of Christ. I want you to look at verse number 16. Even in Thessalonica, you sent gifts to my need how many times? Several, many times, numerous times. Over and over and over again, the church at Philippi was sending gifts while he was in Thessalonica digging out of work. And you know what? You never read about the church in Thessalonica that was able to be in existence today or at that day because of the church at Philippi supplying Paul's needs. You never read that the church of Thessalonica gave anything to Paul. And that would be almost like us. 
churches all across America that give to North American missions, then I come along and I share with our board of directors that, hey, I've got a burden and a passion to go and plant a church, and then I get here in Illinois, and, and I, I, I use the resources to plant this church, and then we sit here as a church and say, we're not giving. We can't afford to give. we got our own needs. Is that right? No. So a missions-minded church stays committed and guys, I want, listen, I really want our missions offerings to increase. I want our missions giving to increase. I'm not satisfied with what we're giving right now every month. I, I, my prayer is that it can double or even triple in the year 2010. That's my prayer. Why? Because I know that God will meet the needs of a church that is giving sacrificially a great offering to the Lord for missions. And then I want us to stay committed to it. And there's a lot of things I would like to do as far as missions is concerned. Every fall, I would love to have a, a missions conference, but our facilities or lack of, lack of facilities has kind of kept us from doing a lot of things that I would love to be doing as a church. But we're going to get there, honey. Matter of fact, Terry had a dream that God's going to give her a bunch of money and we're going to be able to, to buy all of the Lake Point office area. I had a dream that it was all ours anyway, so I think God's working something out right here. <laughs> My point is, God's going to meet our needs. And you pray for Terry, okay? <laughs> Number four, a mission-minded church has a credit with the Lord. A mission-minded church has a credit with the Lord. I want you to look where the credit went in verses 17 through 19. Paul says, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that is increasing to your account. Stop. Guys, you realize that every single one of us as individuals... And every single church in America has an account with God. And you make deposits and withdrawals every single day. Hello? Paul's saying, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. And then verse 18. But I have received everything in full. And I have an abundance. I am fully supplied. Having received of Epaphroditus what you provided. And then he says, what you provided was a fragrant offering a welcome sacrifice and pleasing to God and my God will supply all your needs according to his riches in glory. Guys, do you realize that every single one of us have an account with God? Do you realize that? And I think there are three things or three credits, three ways we can make deposits in our, our account if you want. Number one is when we give a fragrant offering. When we just give an offering to the Lord, it is a sweet-smelling fragrance to the nostrils of our Heavenly Father. I mean, He enjoys seeing us give our offering. Now, what is an offering? An offering is not the tithe. Hello? An offering is above the tithe. And whenever we do that, we're depositing a, a sweet fragrance in our account with God. And the Scripture says at the end that He's well-pleased. And that's what Paul is saying. He said, hey, when you gave to me, listen, I know God's going to meet my needs. But listen, he says, when you gave, it's fruit to your account. And I wonder, oh, how is our account with God? You think it's in the red or is it in the black? I mean, the Bible talks about this fragrant offering, this sweet-smelling savor, the King James Version says, into the nostrils of God, this great offering. And guys, we do that when we give. And then he says also... Not only a fragrant offering, but a welcome sacrifice. It is an acceptable sacrifice to God. And whenever we give an offering sacrificially, we're depositing it into our account with God. And God's taking note. Hello? Guys, I'm just pulling this straight out of Scripture. 
Paul says, I desire fruit that may abound to your account. Do you realize you had an account with God? Not only do you have one at Scott Credit Union, but you have one at God with God. Hello? Not only at Regions Bank, but you have one with God. You see, sometimes we're more concerned about the temporary monetary fund at Regions Bank or Scott Credit Union than we are with God's account. Well, how do we, get, how do we increase in God's account? By giving. You see, many of you right now, probably, maybe, I don't know, but maybe many of you for the very first time made your first deposit into your spiritual account today because possibly, I don't know, maybe for some this is the first time you ever really sacrificially or gave an offering to missions. Hello? Now that's my fault. And I ask you to forgive me of that. I have not created enough opportunity for you to give to missions. I repent of that. I've asked God to forgive me of that. You'll have plenty of opportunity from now on. Amen? Why? Because I want your, listen, I want fruit to be in your account. I want you to be blessed of God. And look what he says, a fragrant offering, a welcome sacrifice. And a third credit is that it's pleasing to God. Guys, I want, I want God to be pleased with my life. I want him to be pleased with my finances. I want him to be pleased with my spiritual life. I want him to be pleased with just my life. And I want something in my account. Amen. Say amen or on me. I don't know. Maybe that, maybe that didn't go over too well. I get kind of excited about that. Hello? Number five. We'll stop with this one. A missions-minded church continually gives God the glory. Continually gives God the glory. Look, if you will, in verse number 20. Now to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. You see, we're always, a missions-minded church is always striving to do things that brings honor and glory to God. And God, I just, I just shared with you in Scripture this morning, taking up this North American missions offering glorifies God. And it puts fruit in your account. And it allows you to take advantage of a wonderful promise found in Philippians 4.19. That glorifies God. Why? Because he wants you to trust in him. And, you can, and he says, I'll meet your needs when you do that through your giving. It glorifies God. But let me suggest two ways in closing that we can continually glorify God. I'm reminded of the scripture in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, where Jesus says that you are the salt of the earth. In verse 14, he says, you are the light of the world. I think there's two ways that we can continually give God the glory in our lives. And number one is by being the salt of the earth. What is the salt of the earth? The salt of the earth is who you are. The salt of the earth is your character. And I think with godly character, we can continually glorify God in our lives. Be the salt of the earth. Have godly character. It's all about who you are. And then he said, be the light of the world. What is the light of the world? That's what we do. Hello? The salt is who we are. The light is what we do. It's our conduct. It's the way we act. It's things we're involved in. It's what we do. And God says, I want you to be the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And guys, when we do that, I think then we can bring glory to God continually throughout our entire life. Now, we all know, and we probably know this more than most, that a church is not a building. Hello? The church is God's people. So let me apply all these personally. I want you to ask yourself, 
do I have a concern for others? Do I have a genuine concern for others? Ask yourself, do I find my contentment in the Lord? Do I really? And pray that God searches your heart. Because sometimes we can deceive our own selves. And we can say, yep, I do. But then maybe our actions don't really live out, live out that thought process. Do I find contentment in the Lord? Do I demonstrate a commitment to missions? I'd love for some of you right now to get so involved in our missions department by flooding them with emails and letters and cards and letting them know you're praying for them. My goodness, it's untelling what God can do through this group of people if we get serious about being committed to missions until all know. Do I have credit with the Lord? Ask ourselves that question. Do we really have credit with the Lord? Have we made some deposits? Do we have anything in our account? Many made deposits today. I want to encourage you to keep doing that. And then number five, do I exist to glorify God? Do I exist to glorify God? I wonder as every head is bowed and every eye is closed. A missions-minded church. I want to say thank you for giving. But I wonder this morning, do we really have that concern for others? If you're here today and you don't know Christ as your Savior, I plead of you, trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. Give Him your life. Nothing, nothing else you'll do in this world will be a greater decision than that. And during our song of invitation here in just a moment, if you need to accept Christ as your Savior, you can just get up out of your seat and just walk to the back of the the, the gymnasium here and, and we've got spiritual counselors that are there to pray for you but I've really preached primarily to the church do we really have a concern for missions do we really have a contentment in the Lord are we really committed to missions guys there's a wonderful old song that's called Jesus saves Jesus saves and that's the message that's the word that we need to get out. So I'm going to pray over us right now, and then I want us to stand up and sing this song. And if you have any spiritual need whatsoever, I mean, I don't care what your need is. I just want you to move out of your seat and just go to the back. There'll be someone that can pray with you and talk with you and help you and give you spiritual leadership and guidance. Don't leave here. But I want us to, after we pray, stand and sing this wonderful song about Jesus saves. Father, God, I pray that our church... Victory Church, your church, would always be a missions-minded church. I pray, God, for our local missions outreach. This Christmas season, when we are wrapping gifts over at the St. Clair Mall, help us, God, to engage in that. And help us have a genuine concern for others by serving others. And God, I pray for our global outreach, Lord, that we would be involved in North American missions and international missions and sending missionaries, not only in America, but literally around the world, until everyone has heard. God, maybe today you've convicted our hearts about missions and giving. Maybe we haven't done our part. I pray, dear God, that you do a work in all of our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray.